Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for all that you reveal to us about how Christ lived and how we are to live as your disciples. By your Spirit, enable us to receive that gift that you have for us this morning. We might walk in his way and follow his truth. Amen. Amen. I've uh, brought with me today a simple way of illustrating a profound truth. And the first thing I'm going to do is place this letter I in the centre of the board. We know that that I is at the centre of a three-letter word. A word that describes what it means to be in rebellion against God, to be far away from God. And its root is there in the centre of another word. It's a five-letter word that begins with P-R and ends with D-E. And this word, sin, becomes something that enables us to see that at the very root of sinfulness is our pride and our desire to be at the centre of everything. We've seen that attitude as demonstrated in recent days when President Putin denies any understanding or knowledge of the catastrophic attack, chemical attack in Salisbury. We see that attitude prevailing when people want to put themselves forward at the expense of others. Sometimes this can be quite humorous. I, uh, I read just uh, this week, following uh, the Oscars, that uh, the person who uh, won the, uh, the, the Oscar for the Best Actress, Frances McDormand, uh, found that the following uh, the party that followed the Oscar ceremony, uh, somebody had come and stolen it. Bizarrely, uh, the suspected thief then posted pictures of himself on Facebook holding the Oscar. <laughs> I mean, what, what is that about? Well, needless to say, uh, he was uh, faced, faced a jail sentence of three years. John Bryant, his name was. Terry Bryant, rather. Me at the centre. Me, me, me. If you've been watching the amazing Hotels programme, you might have seen some of the opulence that are there for guests who just want everything done their way. And if we hold a mirror up to ourselves and we're truly honest, we'll find that attitude lurking only too easily. Christ's death on the cross was something that came to address that 
bias to sin that is fundamental implanted within human nature, fallen human nature. And we see the effects of what Christ has done for us in all the ways that uh, we celebrate over Lent and Easter. But having the eye at the centre of things doesn't have to be like that. What we can do with the letter I is remove it when we choose to repent and turn away from sin and recognise the significance of the negative effect it has on our lives. We also recognise that when Christ comes and he begins to work in people's lives, he can turn that negative into a positive. Because through repentance and faith, there can become within the human nature a transformation. Things that come out of recognising our need to put others in the place of ourselves. And over that terrible weather that we had uh, recently, which I hope is not going to return quite so severely over this weekend, they have seen the effect of people's recognising that in that snow and in that ice there was a lot of negative feeling, there was a lot of issues that were incredibly demanding of people. And yet, people who chose to be for others and not for themselves demonstrated the power of turning negatives into positives. Many, many selfless acts have been written about. For example, in Glasgow, the National Health Service surgeon who trudged six miles, you might have seen that on the telly, through snow so that she could operate on her cancer patient. Other medical staff slept overnight in their wards rather than risk uh, missing work the next morning. And in Norfolk, farmers used their tractors to help deliver medicines to to people who were cut off in villages. In Cornwall, the owner of a bed and breakfast who'd once been homeless herself opened the doors to local rough sleepers. Negatives can be turned into positives. And that is a principle that God in his kingdom wants to bring in. God does this in the lives of any who make a choice to put themselves last and others first. And we heard in our reading from the Old Testament how Solomon did exactly this. Solomon, of course, all this wealth all this power. And then God invited him to ask for whatever he wanted. But do you notice that before God invited him to do that, he went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings. In other words, before anything else, his heart was devoted to God. He was offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving, a sacrifice of dedication, a sacrifice of whatever he could bring before the Lord 
and abandoned himself, surrendered himself to God. And from that place of surrender and abandonment to God, that voice that Solomon heard became clear. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give to you. And we heard Solomon's answer. Lord, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and made me king in his place. Now, Lord, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed. In other words, let what you said and promised to David now happen, that I can take forward. He was thinking of that fulfillment of what God had intended. For you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Notice, you made me king. Therefore give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? You know, I'm, I'm not it. <laughs> I'm not the great powerful one who can sort all this out and do it myself. I need you, Lord. Only you can do this. What I need from you is your <laughs> wisdom and knowledge, your understanding. Because I want to rule for the sake of those people who you have given me. I want them to have life in its fullness. I want them to be secure in this kingdom. God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire. Interesting, he talks about the heart of Solomon. Because God looks at the heart, not just the head or what people say. And you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor, nor for the death of your enemies. And since you have not asked for long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you. What a wonderful answer to prayer. And that was seen in Solomon's life at his best. <laughs> There were times when that pride, that sin crept in and made a mess of everything that Solomon was doing. But that was another situation. Here was God promising to give him what he's asked, but not only what he'd asked for, and I will also, says the Lord, give you wealth, possessions and honour, such as no king who is before you ever had and none after you will have. So he got more than he could ever ask or imagine, as we hear Paul speaking to you know, the, the Philippians in the New Testament. And therefore the God who is the abundant blesser, the generous beyond all imagining God, made Solomon's life more than he could ever thought it would be. And the blessing came upon the people. Turning negatives into positives is what God does when people surrender themselves to him. And we see in the life of Jesus this principle worked out at its extreme level. Jesus himself taught of how unless a, a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it just is broken open. It is surrendering itself, in effect, to what it's meant to be. 
It can only stay a single seed. It doesn't fruit. But if it dies, if it opens up, if it is broken and available for the soil to do what only the soil can do, then it produces many seeds. It will grow up and will sprout and have a great harvest. Jesus' teaching couldn't be clearer. His words back that up. Whoever loves his life or holds on to his life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life, in other words, sees that there's a far better way of living than that self-centered life, in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant also will be. For my Father will honour the one who serves me. The same word that's used of Solomon. Jesus, in his own death, (coughs) revealed how that total abandonment to God was lived out. And furthermore, his death, he said, would be something that would draw others to see the significance of the I laid down. When I am lifted up from the earth, that is, nailed to a cross, and glorified, as he said, prayed that the Father would do, I will draw all people to myself. In other words, there's something so compelling about the love of Jesus that when people see in their hearts that this is the way of living, that Christ has demonstrated love for us, so we will want to be able to find that way of life ourselves and lay our lives down for him. It becomes something that enables us to find the most extraordinary life possible and to find the positives, overcoming the negatives in ways that we would never otherwise have imagined. So as we approach Good Friday and Easter Day, we see how Christ, continually in his own life, turns the negative into positive. There could not be more negative things happening than on Good Friday. But by his resurrection, he vindicated everything that was said of him in the prophets and that he predicted that he would rise again and reveal a life that is full and rich for all who will follow him in laying down themselves, dying to self and taking up the cross, the cross that speaks of the positive life that God has for us all. Amen. Amen.